Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me is the best dancer I know, Ishmael Johnson. Ish, well, you didn't tell me you could get down like that at a Stephen F. Austin women's basketball game. I get I get harassed at a 1.30 a.m. with a text saying, hey, I didn't know you went to the SFA women's game. I was like, wait, what the hell is this dude talking about? Sends me a video of this kid dancing, going off by himself, credit to the kid. Yeah, so I just die laughing. Go to Bruni's Twitter if you don't know what I'm talking about. But this kid, he just going, he's just going off. He's just vibing, and he's by himself. Like he's like, like he's not sitting with anybody. Clearly, um, I don't know if he like moved to get in like view of the camera or something. But like he was, he was just having a great time. That's, I I want to I want to be like that one day. I I don't know. I've never had the the urge to just get up and start dancing in a in a gym full of like let's say two thousand people in it. Right, right. But and the funny well, thing I is. Think- I think it, it, for me, it'd be it'd be different if it was on. I still wouldn't do it, but like if it was like an NBA game or like a packed, you know, like uh, NCAA game, yeah. I'd be more inclined because like there's more people and like everybody's just kind of looking at the screen. SF, they could just like turn around and like see where you are. <laughs> like, like they could just like you know like so many college games. There's like where it's not going to be packed. And so you could just see like, oh, he's over there. Like you can just kind of point yeah. at him. I'd be so much more nervous about that. The, the, the crazy thing is the camera. So I'm clicking through the game the because it was a timeout, obviously. So I'm clicking through it. And I don't even know how I came came about it. But I just saw him and I was like, hold on. Let me re, let me rewind that real quick. And sure enough. And it's only him for like literally as much as I clipped. That's as long as they showed it for <laughs> And I'm like, give give this guy a chance, man. Let him go off. He could have right? been doing like way more if you gave him like five more seconds. But yeah, oh, man, it was vibing. And then the and you you sent it to me afterward. The girls in front of him weren't giving him like any any attention. It's like, yo, what are you? This dude's showing off, and they're like, they're just I don't know. They're bored out of their mind. It's like, come right? on, now. you dropped mm. this king. Come on, man. Give him give him <laughs> give him his flowers, man. The girls in front of him were just like dead dead face so yeah. no emotion and this dude's just in the back just getting down with going off the knee movement oh man oh man oh yeah <laughs> just the limber limber limbs oh, I'm, about to, I'm about to watch it again look at it <laughs> you're watching it again <laughs> he's going off i'm gonna retweet it because i tweeted at eight at 1 a.m so now my my 2000 followers at we'll see it at 10 a.m <laughs> Not why uh, I like how he's rocking the old, uh, the old shirt Stephen with Austin, uh, yeah, state. Understand state, Stephen Austin state, with a shirt on, with a shirt underneath, with the white yeah. jeans or whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> My man oh, is man. into it. I love it. 
Oh my God. Okay. But yeah, this speaking of Stephen F. Austin, uh, that's what we're going to lead off with because SFA is SFA women are back to being the SFA women that we know and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll talk some uh, SEC Big 12 men's, the results there, and uh, some other notable results uh, on the men's side. But yeah, ish. Stephen F. Austin first routes Cal Baptist on Saturday, 79-62. And then on Monday, goes and beats Grand Canyon, who I believe was 6-1 and one in conference play, uh, 61-43. to 43. So back-to-back wins over two of the best teams in, in the WAC. And mm-hmm. SFA is now 8-0 and squarely in the driver's seat to win the conference very comfortably. Yeah, I... At the beginning of the year, I guess you would have you would have asked me, and I would have said, "Yeah, sure, they probably would be the favorites, right?" Towards the start of the year, okay, it was like, "Okay, well, maybe this isn't the exact SFA team that we expected." Um, I always go back to them, kind of replacing their point guard, and then that kind of being maybe what was different about this team compared to last year. And then they've hit conference play, and they've just unleashed, despite going to a tougher conference despite going to a deeper conference, like they've hit stride. Um, they're eight. No, now they're winning games. I have right here by almost a 20 point, 19.9 points per game is their average win margin. And they're first in, let me see, field goal percentage, two point percentage points per attempt, free throw rate. They're getting to the line opponents, field goal percentage opponents, two point <laughs> opponents, effective field goal percentage. They are, they are clicking on a kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. And last year's pace was so nuts that it, it's hard to like replicate that exact, you know, that exact uh, pace where they were blowing out everybody. But I, I don't know I, for, for what they were needed to replace, which is they needed to replace about a couple of players. Um, um, Alyssa Banfield, I think Marissa Banfield, excuse me, was one of them. And they've kind of done that. That like Brianna Mitchell, I think, has been one of the the most improved players for them. She, I'm trying to think, she finished with two assists, but but she's mostly what they needed that starting guard spot filled after Banfield left. Mm-hmm. And since I believe since conference play, she's been right there with Vischer and Nugent in terms of the best playmakers on the team. I believe she's averaging a team high. I think. Um, at least with, I think at least tied with Vischer. Let me see. I have it right here. Uh, yes, she is 3.9 assists per game in conference uh, uh, with Vischer behind her three and a half. She's still turning the ball over a little bit, but I think that's kind of with the territory. I don't think that her or Vischer is the, the natural playmaker that Banfield was, but they're finding three-point shooting. Uh, Brianna Mitchell's shooting 42% from three in, in conference play. And I mean, you saw it against Cal Baptist where this was, a close game for a little bit, right? Until, until the second half, this is a pretty close game. And then all of a sudden SFA just went on a run and Ayanna Johnson went off like Zion Nugent was just torching them. And when this team is clicking, there's nobody that can really guard them. And it's kind of, it's really fun to watch that. Yeah. Uh, We did the podcast with Justin. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, how long ago. And we were like, talking about SFA's concerns because they weren't being as dominant at that point in the year. You know, they had lost to Gonzaga. They lost to 
Portland, um, you know, the AM game was was fine, but still mm-hmm. now we know, I mean, AM actually I was about to say now in retrospect, that might not that might be a pretty bad loss. <laughs> yeah. So so they had some losses where we're like kind of scratching our heads. And now, like you said, they're winning games by 20 plus. And watching that game against Cal Baptist, I just couldn't believe the consistency that Zion Nugent, Stephanie Vischer, and Ayanna Johnson played with. Like the entire game, it felt like their foot was on the gas. And yep. Stephanie Vischer ends the game with six steals, 12 boards, 16 points. And it felt like even though uh, they played 36, 35, and 33 minutes, those three. And it felt like they I never saw them come off the court. Like it felt like they were just the entire game pressing with their their two uh their bit their full court press mm-hmm. uh changing to a zone sometimes changing to a man their defense completely threw off cal baptist and cal baptist to their credit stayed in the game for i mean they were down double digits early like at, uh, in the first half they claw back in the third quarter to cut it to i think like six or seven at one point and then sfa puts them away um late in the third and into the fourth quarter and that was the sfa that like we we know that's Stephanie Vischer coming down and be like, no, this game's over. Zion mm-hmm. Nugent was in attack mode the entire night, yeah. like just the entire night. Never gave uh, Cal Baptist any breathing room. And then Ayanna Johnson, if she scores like this, if she shoots eight of sixteen from the from the field, they're they're tough to beat. Really, I mean, she hit um, she hit some really nice turnaround uh, jumpers in the post. I mean, finished everything. The pick and roll game was working. The, the the balanced attack that they have when Ayana Johnson's scoring like that is second to none. Like they they're tough. And then Brianna Brianna Mitchell three of five from the field. Um, Tasharian Johnson hit a three. I'm sorry, Robinson. Tasharian Robinson hit a three. You know they had some other players step up, and I this is this is a huge win. And then I didn't watch the Grand Canyon game, but to basically do this to Grand Canyon too and hold the Grand Canyon to 44 points. I, I, they're, they're balanced. They're really good. And I'm just, I'm, I'm back in completely. Yeah. They, they wore them down. That's what it kind of felt like. Yeah. Oh, I'm curious if you, if you kind of get this, this feeling, is this the best ball movement team, men or women like that we've seen this year? The broadcast like, kind of mentioned that they or yeah, the like, it, kind of kept talking about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, I just remember every time, and even against AM, and this is kind of why that loss is kind of frustrating because they generated a lot of good looks in that game. Um, but watching this Cal Baptist game and when they went, when they got going, it seemed like, and this is something I wanted to, I didn't get to ask Coach Kellogg when I talked to him for the story for the magazine. It seems like they have like a like a timer, like a two-second or like one and a half second timer to where like if you don't do something within that timer. You know, or or you're told to do something in that timer, right? That mental yeah. timer where it's like they're either driving, they're either passing, they're either, you know, shooting. Like it's some type of action you don't see. And, you know, me and you both watch very slow <laughs> men's basketball teams um, mm-hmm. with Texas State and North Texas. And for better or worse, sometimes, you know, somebody gets the ball at the top of the key. They're waiting for a two-man weave. They're waiting for somebody along the baseline, right? They're like, they're holding the ball for a little bit and they're waiting for some action off and they kick it to the corner or something. And sometimes it works, but that doesn't really happen with this SFA team. It's a very fluid motion offense in terms of like, 
Somebody kicks it to the wing. The wing's either looking immediately to drive or somebody's coming off of a cut to the baseline and they're getting it there. And like every time they get it to like Ayana Johnson, she's either passing it out of the post or making a move. Like and it's it's all within like two seconds, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And so watching them go, it's really, I don't know. Like if, if you haven't watched this team and, and, you know, if you listen to this podcast and haven't watched this team, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you watch this team and you watch them when they're on one of those like 12 0 runs that they're going to go on, just watch how they're scoring because it's not necessarily pushing the tempo and getting fast breaks and all that's not really them. It's like getting the ball into the half court and just constantly shifting and it's a constant motion. And it's really, I don't know, like it's, it's so fascinating to watch because like they really are, and they have individual talented players, individually talented players, but not in a way that like a Texas has a Rory Harmon where she'll just, you know, kind of get a mid-range shot or something. Yeah. It's, it is like they all work within the system and they all use their talents within that system to kind of, um, uh, to kind of work at their best. And it, I don't know, it's, I feel like they're like, unlike any team we've, we've watched this year. And even, you know, even a, you know, a team like we, that we thought was cohesive last year with the Baylor's men team, like, you know, that was still a lot of ISO ball, right? You don't see a lot of ISO ball from this team. Um, it's, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of cohesion and a lot of like pure team, like system movement. I'll say, I'll say they do a better job than most teams I've watched. And I'm, I can't go through all, you know, 48 teams of Texas in my head off top, but they do probably the best job of keeping constant pressure on defenses mm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like the catch and to, to your point to say that they, they catch it and something immediately happens off the catch, they're driving seams. They're swinging it. They're getting a ball screen. They're just constant, constant, constant on the defense. And that's where it felt like against Cal Baptist, they completely wore them down and yeah. It was on both sides of the ball because, I, like I said, the defense, the, the press was was giving them issues. But then on offense, it was like boom, 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 bucket, boom, 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 mm-hmm. three, boom, 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 free throws. And Zion Nugent was huge in that. I want to give her credit because I, I don't, I've seen her be aggressive before, and I'm I haven't watched every single SFA game, obviously, but I remember you know last year and then early in the year, the the way that she played was giving. Cal Baptist just fits. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the engine to a degree is if you can catch it and drive and get downhill, then you force help kick, then you force help give Tayana Johnson for, for a finish. And so, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And there's, there's always been an old adage in basketball where it's been like, you know, I don't, I don't remember, I think it was the 0.5 second rule or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or the one second rule where it's like, you have a second to get the, with the ball in your hands to make a decision. So yeah, that this team kind of embodies that to a degree. It very much reminds me of um, I'm a huge soccer fan. And it very much reminds me of like a soccer team where like if they push the ball up the pitch and they don't see anything, they'll recycle. Right. And it's like, move the ball back, you know, kind of regain everything. And it keeps the defense honest to where like, okay, you send the ball out wide to a forward. Okay. Well, you know, the defense doesn't give you anything on that left side. All right. Well, kind of cycle it back around, move it to the right side, move it back. Like you don't ever, like you mentioned it, you don't ever, that's a good way to put it. Um, you don't ever let them rest. Basically they have to keep, they have to keep uh, maintain attention the whole time. And like, this is, you know, we we're talking about Cal Baptist because this is the team that we expected to really challenge them. Um, this is the team in the whack that, 
I think heading into the conference season, they had almost a 20 point win over TCU, which again, TCU has been up and down, but still that's a, you know, that's a pretty impressive win. Um, they were dominating teams at a similar rate um, as, as SFA was uh, maybe even a little bit better um, at times compared to in, in non-conference. Cause you know, SFA again was a little bit, a little bit shaky by their standards. Um, and then they just come out and wipe the floor with them. So yeah. Um, it's I'm really excited to see what this team can do in the tournament um, because that's always been aside from last year that's been this team's um, Achilles heel you know is not getting it done in the conference tournament and um, you know you could dominate but you know it only takes one but I think we're going to be I think there's no reason to assume uh, that this team isn't going to win the regular season title no yeah definitely at this point I went back and looked at our predictions Um, you had them at 15 and 3 in conference I had them at 17 and 1 so um, <laughs> yeah, I'm you're, you're kind of, yeah, you're looking really good on that one. Looking good. Um, but yeah, man, SFA women's shout out to y'all doing, mm-hmm. doing great eight and conference. And I don't know enough about like, they got Chicago state twice, New Mexico once, no, New Mexico state twice the rest of the way. Um, Utah Valley once. So, you know, we'll see. You got Cal Baptist again, or is that, is she no. Okay. I was thinking it's it's kind of crazy they play a team from California, like they're in the same conference as a team from California. And they're I know, the whack the whack is wild, man. And they're in East Texas. So, yep. But yeah, let's move on to the other women's basketball game we wanted to wanted to talk about real quick. Um, I did not watch it, but you sent it to me. Uh, Texas loses to Oklahoma 65-63, and it was on a game winner, correct? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. So uh, you have the numbers up from this one here. I got it. 65-63. Um, Texas shoots 33.3% from the field even and gets to the free throw line 29 times, makes 22, and they still were not able to pull this one out. They held Oklahoma to 39% shooting. But um, and Oklahoma shot 26 free throws of their own. There's something about Texas games. that like It feels like you're going to get a minimum of 40 free throws in the games. Like right. just no matter what. And yeah, that was pretty much the case. Yeah. I think that I'm trying to think of the the player's name who got the game winner. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite, especially for a Vic Schaefer team. It wasn't exactly my favorite um, way to defend that. I think it was, I think it was Joanne Allen Taylor or it might've been Lee Mathar. I can't remember um, who went for a charge in the lane. And very clearly was not a charge. Very clearly, like she could have gotten the charge, I think, if she held her ground better because it was, I'm trying to find the, uh, it was Liz Scott, who is much bigger than (laughs) either. um, Again, I have to remember if it was uh, Leah Mathar or Joanne Allen Taylor, but regardless, much bigger than either of those players. She would have gotten the contact and maybe have made it. She was a little bit late, but also she also embellished. And so it was very clearly she was moving, trying to embellish the contact, mm-hmm. and the ref gave her the N one. She probably could have got it if she just held her ground. Um, yeah, so yeah, it wasn't my favorite uh, way to play that. It was Joanne Allen Taylor, by the way. Um, wasn't my favorite way to defend that, but regardless, I think it was a it was a tough make from a from Oklahoma. Um, Texas just also happened to shoot pretty poorly. Um, you know, they really were having to rely on the free throw line. They did not shoot well from three, five of 17 from three. 
and yeah, this is a, um, it's kind of one of those losses where you're like, all right, this is, is this just another hiccup of a young team? Um, Rory Harmon had another night struggling. She scored okay, but six turnovers to three assists, um, you know, grabbed, grabbed 11 boards. So she was fighting kind of on the inside, which is, in my opinion, what you, I think that's the uh, prime example of a guard that, that has a bad uh, turnover game. They try to affect the game in other ways where it's like, Oh, geez, I got to get this ball back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if this is too much to worry about um, or if it's just another hiccup because of, you know, it's, it was a buzzer beater. Oklahoma did shoot pretty well from the floor, but again, that's also a big, um, uh, decently from the floor, not incredibly, almost 40%. Um, and it's, I don't know, I feel like you just want to chalk it up to a couple of players having big nights for Oklahoma with Kennedy, um, not Kennedy Tucker, uh, Maddie Williams and Taylor Robertson. So, yeah. Um, I mean, Texas, the thing is, Texas had won four in a row by double digits. We were like, all right, they're back a little bit. And then they go out and have kind of this type of performance. Sure. I think asking for consistency from this team might be asking a little bit too much. Even, but we know the ceiling of this team is really high still, mm-hmm. right? Like we know this team, if they get hot, if they play their best game, they can beat anybody in the country pretty much. And yes. so that's why I'm still not too worried at this point. Um, I will say, man, and I, this is both of us have watched a lot of Texas games this year. We, the, 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 the games can just be so hard to watch at times. Texas in this game was with 24 turnovers. Oklahomans it with 27 turnovers. And like I said, they combined for 55 free throws. Yeah. So this game was probably half the possession. No, 50 turnovers. That's probably more than half the possessions. But regardless, let's say half the possessions in this game yeah. <laughs> were either turnovers or free throws. Like every time down, it was just either, all right, turnover, all right, free throws. Ooh, man. This is we're, tough. Yeah, we're, we're going to see the toughness of this Texas team because next of course, like this is their this is their next four home against Baylor which is the game we've kind of had circled for both teams mm-hmm. um kind of seeing who's going to be the front runner of the Big 12 uh home against Baylor away at Tech home back home against Oklahoma and then home against Iowa State this is gut check time for to see like okay cuz we know the ceiling of this team but can they keep that ceiling for a tough four game stretch that's going to be the thing uh luckily these four games are at home so that's going to help a lot or three of those four games are at home um but still like is this team ready to you know are we really really ready to say okay this team's going to be you know this going they're going to step in front of Baylor as the conference favorite or is this still Baylor's conference um we obviously know tech plays up to their competition i mean this is this is this is a very intriguing stretch because if consistency is their issue, they can't you know go one and three in this stretch, right? No, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the back to back Baylor games are going to be fascinating to watch. I believe those are on the third and the first of February. So, all right, SEC Big Twelve Challenge, the the crucial event that college basketball needed at this point in the year. You know, where would college basketball be if we didn't know how you're so mad about how TCU did against LSU, man? Thank God we got to see Auburn and Oklahoma, man. Wow. So mad. That one. <laughs> Baylor, Alabama is really going to come back and help us in two months. Just amazing. 
Uh, but in, in all seriousness, SEC wins the Big 12, or the, the challenge, quote unquote, but mm-hmm. the Texas teams went three and one. So I think Texas technically won the challenge here. TCU beat LSU 77-68. Texas beat Tennessee 52-51 in a game that was just sounded exactly like the score. Texas Tech <laughs> uh, beat Tennessee down uh, 76 to 50. That was probably the most impressive result. And then Baylor uh, lost to Alabama 87 to 70 on the road. Uh, which of these four games do you want to start with? We don't spend too long on this, but on this kind of meaningless challenge, but what, yeah. which game do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the one that I took a little bit from, but it was kind of a, I didn't take too much from it. TCU over LSU. Um, LSU's banged up, of course. Let's let's get that out of the way. Um, that's not me making. Uh, oh, SEC didn't want to be here. That's not me making that excuse. They're they You would know more than anybody, they right? They played. They played. they played, and they played them tough. Like it wasn't an easy game. Um, and so, but I think this is a little feather in the cap for TCU. Like Mike Miles had a great game. Like LSU, despite not being able to score, sometimes they can play some damn defense. And TCU was able to get some buckets on him. And again, I will wait. We'll wait after the game was definitely like what you could tell that this wasn't a case of like they didn't play like they wanted to be there. They definitely did not want to be there, but they still played hard. Like that's what I took from like Will Wade's comments afterwards, where it's like, it's like, yeah, we had to. You know, yeah, we had to prepare for this one. Like, you could tell he's like, I can't believe we wasted a practice in January on this <laughs> challenge. Like TCU on the road at 11 a.m. That's the thing. Yeah, right. Like, it was, oh, it they was played, awful. They played Wednesday night at 8. And so then let's say yeah. Thursday they travel, or I don't know when they travel, but Thursday, Friday, and then you play Saturday at 11 a.m. in a non-conference yeah. game on the road. And then – they have to play on Tuesday today. We're recording this against Ole Miss in an mm-hmm. actual conference game where they can't lose it. You can't lose this game on Tuesday. And so it's just like such a weird situation. But TCU played, in my opinion, I've, I haven't watched every single TCU game, but I have looked at most of their scores. You know, I've been keeping track of TCU plenty. Mm-hmm. This had to have been their best game of the year. Like, oh, yeah, they played light. Out. 77 points they shot so we'll we'll wait at the presser yesterday was like they shot 52 percent on mid-range jumpers and we shot 42 percent on layups and he was just like they just shot the hell out the ball like not from three from three i think they shot their normal percentage like 28 percent, whatever it was but like they made some shots and you tip your cap man mike miles played lights out uh their whole their whole team if you go down the list like i i thought everybody contributed micah peavy contributed off the bench um jacoby coles even contributed off the bench a bit but lsu is the number one defense in the country for a reason and to put up 77 on them and it looks consistent like they were quarter after quarter quarter they were there damian ball Mm -hmm. uh 14 points chuck o'bannon for 19 points uh, he had a stretch where he went three. He hit like three threes in a row. This was this was the TCU game, and that that's why these challenges are, can be important, right? Yeah, and that's why I think people validate them because this gives TCU a chance to beat LSU, right? Um, for LSU, obviously, it's not good because it it kind of just depends. This is great for teams that are on the fringe 
of the tournament. Sure. Right? That's what this is for. And that's why Will Wade said after the game, he was like, last year, we needed that game against Texas Tech. They played Texas Tech last year, and they were like, if we win this, we're, you know, firmly in the tournament. Instead, they they lose, and they can get like a, a nine seed in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But this that's what this is for TCU. And they played very, very well. And so um, no real questions there but this was the best game tcu played so good for them and this is gonna be a huge win on their resume that will get them uh you know into the tournament get them maybe to like a seven or eight seed if they continue to win i think that their um torvik has their ratings right now i think they're three and one in their quad um in terms of their committee resume wins they're three and one in their uh quadrant one games which is Iowa State, LSU, and Oklahoma. Like that's a that's a pretty good. If, if you're a team like LSU, a TCU is going to be really fighting for that tournament spot, right? That's a pretty damn good win to have because um, they're not. You know, the committee's not going to look at it and be like, "Well, LSU didn't have so and so, it didn't have so and so, whatever." It doesn't matter once you you know once it gets down to like just just pure resume. So this is the games that they need, and uh, then of course they turn around and beat Oklahoma uh, mm-hmm. Monday night. And that's, you know, that's another good win for TCU. They're now 15 and four, um, which is nuts to me, considering where we probably projected this team to be. Um, and they have a, a I don't want to say easy schedule, because, again, Big 12 is, is tough. But Kansas State, Oklahoma State is probably as easy as you're going to get. <laughs> um, and if they can take care of business, OK, we'll see. They lost to Oklahoma State by one uh, last time. So, you yeah. know, if they can, uh, this is going to be. Uh, this could be a uh, four, potentially a four game streak heading into tech on the 12th. So, yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say about this challenge, I think I, I just looked at, looked at it. I think there were, there were seven games or eight games, regardless, uh, 16, the home team won like six of them, like six mm-hmm. of the seven that I'm just, I was just scrolling through and looking at, uh, the only outlier was Kentucky and Kansas, which was a huge outlier, but, um, that's what this challenge you, know, you kind of feel like if you're at home, you get the crowd. It's a much bigger deal in a sense to, to get that win. Um, Texas, Tennessee, it, it's probably a big one. We should probably talk about it just because yeah. it's it's Texas biggest win of the season. Yes. Is it not? yes. Like, I tweeted out, I tweeted out, it's probably the win that's going to get them into the tournament. Like it's probably just like, they were probably going to get in the tournament anyways. Yes. But this is the win that regardless of what happens the rest of the year, they're going to be like, but we beat Tennessee. So, and I, yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't a pretty game to watch, um, but and it was, you know, it was a big occasion. Of course. I like that uh, Texas embraced the uh, Rick Barnes returning and I agree. And I tweeted back at you uh, that Rick Barnes walked through the home tunnel. I, I appreciated that. <laughs> it was uh, he, he was like, I know, I know, way coach, what you mean? <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was a really cool moment. And this is the kind of win that I think kind of played it heading into the game. I was like, Texas can win this because like they're one Tennessee is like one of them almost as inconsistent as Texas. Um, They are very, very, very erratic. And so I thought one, this is the T this kind of plays into Texas favor because I know that Texas is at least going to defend. And I don't know night in night out that Tennessee is going to put up the same, you know, type of type of caliber game that they're capable of. Uh, Even they're pretty good at defending. 
Tennessee, but they're not always going to defend you the way Texas I know will night in, night out. And so I figured I was leaning more towards the consistent, you know, uh, defense and the consistent team. And it was a lot closer than I expected, obviously, but um, I, I still, yeah, this is, this is still a really good win. And um, I believe I'm trying to find their quadrant one wins for Texas. They're currently two and two in their quad one games with, uh, I think they have obviously Tennessee now and TCU. They count TCU as a quad one win, which is pretty solid. So um, yeah, that's two now two big resume wins that they needed um, if they were, and this is still heading into a tough part of their conference where they could pick up more, right? This is still a team that we expect to be pretty damn good on their day. And so now they're heading into the tough part of the schedule where they could pick up more big wins that could make, that could basically solidify their tournament spot. Yeah. Texas tech beats Mississippi state by 26. Uh, Terrence Shannon didn't play, but this was the most impressive result to me. Uh, Texas tech getting this done. I mean, I mean, TC was also very impressive, but tech yeah. was to do this to Mississippi state. I do credit a lot of it to playing at home and this challenge not being the biggest of deals to some. And I do think the home court is a huge deal, mm-hmm. uh, but still to beat Mississippi state like that is, is huge. Mississippi state was coming off of a, uh, really tough loss to an overtime loss to Kentucky and then has to head to Lubbock. That does not seem like fun at all, but um, credit to Tex tech took care of business. I was expecting it to be closer and it was not. So uh, credit to them. And mm-hmm. then uh, last but not least, uh, Baylor loses to Alabama 87 to 78. Same thing. It felt like just Alabama being at home and I'll, I'll play, I'll flip the script here. Uh, it felt like Baylor was just like, I really don't want to play this Alabama team right now in the middle of conference yep. uh, when we're just trying to get healthy. Because um, then, then the next game, I mean, Baylor last night against West Virginia was without a king and Flagler. And no, it was uh, oh, sorry, um, Flagler and Cryer. Yes. Um, and Cryer was out against Alabama too. I'm like, and I, I'm assuming Flagler got hurt in that game. Mm. because uh, there's no other really explanation for it. But, um, and I was like half watching this Baylor Alabama game. I think it was on, it was on while I was watching another game. The games just run together in my head, but regardless you, I mean, you lose Flagler, like that's a big deal. Like they almost lost to West Virginia because of this game. You could say like, yeah, just get this game out of my face. If you're Baylor, (laughs) I, I know Alabama can beat good teams and they are a good team, but Damn, that hurts. Yeah, I think that uh, I tweeted that this was, to me, the most impressive win for Baylor of the season, the win over West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah. yeah, because we were talking about how in in, in our critiques of this team, we, we mentioned like the how they didn't have uh, – it was more about what Akinjo was doing and if, if the team didn't seem to be functioning perfectly that they weren't reaching those heights. Well, yesterday they didn't have their leading score and they didn't have probably their best shooter and they still got it out of win over a West Virginia team. That was, I mean, I thought they were going to lose that game flat out. Like I was like, this team is West Virginia loves nothing more than a wounded animal. And they were like feasting on Baylor defensively. It seemed like for a big stretch of that game. And then it's did, it didn't matter because like Akinjo was like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my all American self and Jeremy Sochan and Jonathan Tomochachua. Like they really, really gutted out a win. Um, despite getting, I believe, I'm pretty sure they got beat on the boards uh, or no wait, Sorry. They didn't because Baylor got a tons of offensive rebounds. I, I just remembered that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of negated the, the uh, rebounding advantage that West Virginia would have had. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I thought this was the most impressive win for Baylor so far this season because of who they didn't have. Yeah, Taz Sherman for West Virginia was incredible. Yeah. And, I mean, we've, we've talked about before, that's Taz Sherman that didn't play when West Virginia played Texas. And so that's why that's why we kind of wrote off that win because Taz Sherman is capable of putting up 29 points on 15 shots, 6 of 11 from 3. Mm-hmm. He's a dude. And then um, from Baylor's perspective, you're right, though. 17 offensive rebounds, uh, shot 48% from the field. Uh, West Virginia shot 54% from the field, which is crazy. But the way they gutted that out, it put Jeremy Sohan in situations where he had to be a creator at times. Dale Bonner stepped up a bit. He only went two of seven, but I thought he played uh, under control for assist. Matthew Mayer had his nine points all in the last like two minutes. And um, yeah, James Akinjo played how we expect him to play. He didn't play well against Alabama, mm-hmm. but... I mean, he bounced back and won a game that actually mattered here, and that's what this team needs. They need James Akinjo to be very, very good, if not great, and that's what he was against West Virginia, to pull out a win that if they would have lost it, yeah, we could have pointed at them not having those two guards, but it's still in the standings. You're going up, you're trying to edge out, whether it's Kansas or Texas or whoever else, or Texas Tech. That's a huge. That would be a huge result if they would have lost. But to yeah. to, to steal the win is big at home, especially. So um, good for Baylor. I watched that last night as well, and uh, I was impressed. Yep, same here. All right. Uh, other any other results? No, that's it for the Big Twelve. Uh, two other results we can briefly talk about. North mm-hmm. Texas beats Louisiana Tech, three sixty two on Tyler the road. Perry on the road and Tyler Perry hits a three to win it. And I was just jumping up and down because I didn't <laughs> think, because he, he comes off. So they drop a play uh, after timeout down mm-hmm. one, or I'm sorry, down two, they go for the corner three wide open. Perry gets the look and he misses it. Then Thomas Bell, of course, comes swinging out of the air, grabs the rebound and Tyler Perry completely relocates to it's probably six feet behind the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Bell kicks it out to him, and Perry just drains it. And, man, that yeah, that is an incredible win on the road, like, for the, this North Texas team. Like, they, there's no reason to have won that game against that team on the road in that situation. I mean, Kenneth Lofton put was just dominating the game, and North Texas just – gutted out a win. La Tech was up 14, I believe it was. No, La Tech was up 17 with 14 minutes left. Mm. And then North Texas said, you're not scoring anymore. They did it. They did what they always do. They just stopped teams. La Tech had one field goal in the last 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes. Jeez. I, I don't know how to describe what this team does, but they just, they just find ways to win games. And so... Mm. And now the offense has kind of come around. They are now top 100 in offense, which is a huge revelation because I believe coming into conference, they were like 140s, 150s. 
And now in conference, they've put up a 112 offensive rating and their first in field effective field percentage shooting 43.7% from three, getting 36% of the offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's, North Texas is just looking incredible right now. And we've already talked about it, but the schedule isn't that tough. Like they're favored to win the conference right now at this point. Yeah. Oh, easily. I mean, like looking at it, it's wild how North Texas has, I think Ken Palm currently has them as the number one offense in the conference, which is nuts. Right. <laughs> um, and they're, that's kind of how they're, I mean, their defense is going to be there. And that's kind of the, obviously the crux of Grant McCaslin, but like they're getting it done with just how, how they're killing teams and they're scoring. Right. And so I don't know. I, I love the fact that they're getting it done in a different ish kind of way. And it's because of guys like Tyler Perry, who've stepped up, you know, when they've needed to have kind of that new crop of breakthrough players. And it's, I don't know, that was just kind of like the cherry on top for a breakout season for him so far. Yeah. Um, not to like, completely like nerd out here but like every yeah. year the past two years it's kind of been like this where the, the defense early in the season has been elite you know top mm-hmm. 50 in the country just it's always there and then last two years it's been the offense has come around to where yeah. like in 2020 the offense actually finished um 34th in the country like the offense was mo gibson jv on hamlet uh, you know, those guys were, and that was, that was, that was the COVID year, but that was also like the year that was like, I mean, I was expect I was looking forward to seeing North Texas, like hopefully make a tournament, make the tournament that yeah, time, you know, exactly. Yeah. So they, they had already won the conference championship or the regular season one. And then mm-hmm. obviously COVID cuts off the season, but that was when the offense came around and boom, they were, they were playing last yeah. year. It was similar. They finished third in offense and fifth in defense in, in conference. So the defense is is always good but the pace it, it's weird because the pace they play with and then the defense they play with it kind of just whether wears team down wears teams down and then they need the offense to come like knock them out mm-hmm. and i didn't think they had that knockout punch if i'm being honest like javion hamlet's sure. gone james reese gone all these guys are gone i didn't think they had that knockout punch anymore but apparently they do mm-hmm. and if that's the case and if they shoot 43 percent from three I don't know what you do with this team because they're just going to win the conference for a third straight year and probably could make the tournament if they win, obviously the conference tournament, but um, yeah, UAB lost to um, Marshall and Marshall was 0 and seven and without Tavion Kinsey, who is an NBA caliber player. So yeah, UAB looks like they're very or inconsistent to a degree. So if North Texas can think, keep it uh, up, we'll see. Yeah. I think Ken Palm has, let me see. The conference player of the year race. Let me see. I think it's down Lofton. to Lofton, Walker, Lofton, Bell, Bell, Perry, and McKnight from well, he's last, but McKnight, McKnight from Western Kentucky. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's two players from North Texas. It'd probably be Lofton, but yeah. um, still, that's uh, again, after graduating two key, con- or not graduating, but le- two key contributors leaving, that's kind of nuts for North Texas to have two guys thoroughly in the Three, race. For so conference. it was. Yeah, so it was Javion, then James Reese transferred to South Carolina, and he's leading South Carolina. Oh, and Carolina. Simmons, right. And, and Simmons, Simmons, right. And then Zach Jeez, Simmons. I forgot about yeah. Simmons. So <laughs> that's nuts. Crazy. Um, yeah, they play UTEP and UTSA. I said on the North Texas podcast I do, I was like, all right, UTEP will be an interesting one because they're starting mm-hmm. to play better defensively. So True. Um, it is at home, though, for North Texas, so I expect them to probably take care of business. But then UTSA, yeah. you just 
walk out there and win by 40. So no concern there. Uh, last game, which I actually don't have the box score up for. Um, Texas Southern and Prairie View. Yeah. They, we, we talked about them kind of struggling a bit or not living up to the, the standards that we have for Texas Southern and Prairie View. Um, however, I say that fully knowing that Johnny Jones can just will his team to a conference championship, uh, tournament championship and make the tournament from there. But mm-hmm. still, Texas Southern beats Prairie View 75-74. And like I said, I don't have the box score up, but. Yeah, I got it right here. Um, Bryson Etienne has t- had 20 points to a game high 20, or sorry, a team high 21. Um, Will Douglas actually had the game oh, high. Oh, went to uh, overtime, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 75-74, Texas Southern pulled it out. Um, not a great game from John Walker. I was about to who say. Is only scored two points uh, when one of four from the field. And I don't know if he was hurt or not because he only played 19 minutes, but uh, maybe they're just riding the hot hand with AJ Lawson, who scored uh, 15 mm-hmm. in 29 minutes. So, yeah, that's a huge win considering how we, you know, how the the SWAC's looking to play out right now with uh, Southern kind of leading the pack. And I think I want to say before this game, Prairie View was actually projected ahead of Texas Southern in the conference. So that was kind of a pretty huge result for them. Uh, both teams kind of needing, you know, to get some momentum um, towards the end of the year. Yeah. So. Texas Southern is six and three. Now Southern is seven and two Florida A and M is seven and two. They won yeah, seven this, straight. This, this is weird. This is a weird Grambling. <laughs> Grambling's won five straight. They're seven and two. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the bottom of this conference is bad enough to where you can pick up some wins like Jackson state and Mississippi Valley. But um, still, oh, no, I mean, Tech Southern lost to Jackson State, so no, that's true. <laughs> I don't know You're what right. this conference is this year. You're right. You're right. No, no idea what to make of this conference, but um, I guess let, let's predict Texas, Texas Tech tonight. Yeah, then we can wrap it up. All righty. So uh, first, we should say we'll have a we'll, we should I'm barring a blowout either way, we should have a quick 10, 15 minute pod over uh, this game tonight. Um, so look forward to look, look to that either late tonight or early tomorrow, whenever you, whenever you download it, uh, probably the most anticipated game of the season, at least for me, um, um, man, well, while while you think, while you think, go ahead, go ahead, um, just the, (laughs) the Texas tech fans waiting outside for two days, like two, three days before they are ready. I was like, golly. And then the, the players and coaches delivered them pizza and stuff. I was like, that's cool. Good, yeah. good for them. And then they were outside where the, the bus where yeah, the Texas yeah. hits. This is going to players. This is LeBron coming back to Cleveland in 2010. Like legitimately, like, I don't know if I bet look forward to like a home game, a specific game. Like, because like when they go back to Austin, it's not going to be the same. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just not. This is like when's the last time you you looked forward to like somebody coming back to an environment like this? Like it's to me, it is legitimately like LeBron going back to Cleveland. The thing is like Kawhi with the Spurs, but even okay, then fair, it was fair. But, but even, even then it was yeah. like the Spurs were in such a worse situation that we were just like <laughs> just, we were just hating him. It's like when right. LeBron went back because you knew like Cleveland knew it was like that's well, true. We're screwed, that's true. so we're just gonna hate. And All right. The Spurs did win that game against Kawhi, though, to like beat, yeah. beat him by like twenty. I remember. And so Ooh, it was like, what, I think. Uh, what about Durant going back to the Thunder? Oh, that was that's a that good one because like that was that might be my number one to be honest. That might, yeah. You had the dudes dressed up as like cupcakes. <laughs> 
No, that might be. That was a good one. That was LeBron a good one. LeBron was great, but the Kevin Durant one is. And especially because I think what, what goes more in Tech's favor, similar to that one, is you had Russell Westbrook, like, for yeah. Thunder, right? Like, like, giving it back to Kevin Durant. So, like, you have some of those players who are going to be giving it back to Texas, right? Exactly. So, like, Mark Adams, I don't think Mark Adams is going to be giving that's not his personality. <laughs> but, like, you have who obviously, he obviously wants to win this game, right? And so I think that's going to add more. To then, as opposed to just the fans, right? It's going to be the team wanting to beat Texas really yeah. bad. So, well, um, it, yeah. there's some like roster turnover, obviously. It's not the same sure. team as last year, but Tanner sure, sure, Shannon, sure. Shannon's still on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's it's still the uh, Mark Adams team. And so, what, that's what makes it weird. And so, uh, but you're right, though, the Kevin Durant one is unique because Russell Westbrook, that's when Russell Westbrook and him like butted heads, like literally yeah. on the court, and they're. <laughs> And like the Thunder weren't, they weren't, you know, they, well, they weren't awful, right? They were still a playoff team. So like that, exactly. I think, yeah, and I think that's a better comparison where it's like, you're not just like a team that's, you're not a, you're not somebody that's just hating because you suck now. Like it's, exactly. it's like actually like you're pretty good and like you yeah. want, you know, this is, I don't know. I'm yeah. so looking forward to this game. <laughs> yeah. And then we, you don't even have to talk about the, the big 12 impact of this game. Like oh the, winner, the winner could be the favorite at this point. Like Kansas is still there and Baylor is still mm-hmm. there. Yes, of course. But like uh, if tech, if tech wins and I think Texas is in a better position than Texas, obviously, but if tech wins, we're looking at wins over Baylor, Kansas and Texas early on. Like that's the resumes checked off. Like, yeah. <laughs> there you you're, go. You're done. So yeah. Uh, then we start talking about them in consideration for the conference championship. So uh, huge game, huge game, 8 PM. I'm Ooh. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Prediction wise, I'm rolling Texas Tech. Uh, they're five point favorites. I don't think I can lay five points with them, but still, I think they win by about four. I'd say. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say I think low scoring game. Obviously, uh, 60, 60 to fifty six. Texas Tech. That's my prediction. I think I'm going Tech as well. I think I'm gonna go fifty eight fifty five. There you go. Yeah. So we both have the under hitting. I think the over under was at 122.5. Not that I would know that exactly, but uh, yeah. So there you go. You live in the, you live in the right state, buddy. <laughs> I live in uh, Louisiana. So I, I have to know this stuff legally. <laughs> Every citizen must know the point spread of college basketball games. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for y'all today. We hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, Stephen F. Austin, SEC Big 12, and then Texas Tech and Tech. Uh, plenty of up stuff to talk about man this has been fun but yeah we'll talk to y'all later like we like ish said we'll have a podcast after texas and text tech barring blowout if text tech comes out and beats them by 20 i we don't have that much to talk about and vice yeah. versa but if it's a close game which we expect it to be we will be on here afterwards um and here for like a late night podcast so check that out uh you can follow us on twitter at dct basketball uh follow us on twitter at ishmael or johnson follow me at matthew bruni underscore uh check out the content at textbasketball.com um leave us a five-star rating and review on apple and spotify i want to emphasize that we greatly appreciate y'all leaving a five-star rating and review but yeah thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later later tonight yeah